Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, where we inspire your faith and your pioneer roots, giving you old-fashioned wisdom and skill sets to use in a modern world to become more self-sufficient and getting back to the simple life. Today is episode number 119. We are going to be diving into soap making. So consider this kind of your soap making 101. I want to dive down into actually what is soap making? What are the different ways that you can make soap at home? why you want to make soap at home, and giving you some tips and breakdowns on things to get you started making your soap at home. So if you've been wanting to learn how to make soap and you've been kind of nervous or you just haven't really dove into it yet, this is your episode. Or if you've just started getting into soap making and maybe you want to branch out and to get into some different types of soap making, maybe you've just started with melt and pour and you want to move into doing the soap making with lye, then this is also your episode. And if you're like, I don't even know what the two of differences that means, don't worry. I'm going to get you covered there. We're going to talk about the differences. One of the things that I love about soap making is there's really little else that is as much pioneer as making your own soap. Now, back in the pioneer days, their soap was a lot more harsh than what we consider soap nowadays. That's because they didn't have all of the science that we've got available to us now and to really break it down. They also did not have all of the different oils that we have available to us today, which I'm going to be talking about in a lot greater detail because the oils that you pick and the combination of them really change the differences of your soap and what you're going after, but it also allows you to make a much better soap at home. So back in the pioneer days, they had their lye, which they used wood ash usually, and they mixed it with water and they would let that set until it formed lye. Then they would mix it with usually beef fat, which is tallow, because when you butcher a cow, you're going to have a lot more fat on it because it's a lot larger animal than you are from a venison or a goat or even a pig, which you had your lard. They also did use their lard, which was the fat when you render it down from pork is considered lard. But usually the lard they would keep for more of their baking, especially the leaf lard, which doesn't have the flavor as bacon as much, but they would keep that more for their pastries and their baking and cooking, whereas they would use the tallow from the cows and they would use that tallow to make their soaps and their candles and all of those things, which we've talked about a little bit in a previous episode. It was episode number 115. I will link to that in the show notes. For all of the stuff that I'm talking about for show notes and links to different resources, you can always go to melissaknorris.com, click on that podcast button, and then you'll get it by episode. And this is episode number 119. Before we really start to dive into the nitty gritty, one of the things that I find really interesting about those of us who are on this path to self-sufficiency, modern homesteading, or just creating and making more things at home with better, more natural ingredients. We're moving away from the processed. And oftentimes, and when I say the term chemicals, everything when we get down to it, soap is actually a chemical reaction. But I'm talking to more like the processed, harmful type chemicals and not just the natural basic ones. We're really trying to get away from a lot of that processed and the synthetic chemicals or synthetic properties 
in a lot of the commercial and store-bought items that we've got today. So regardless of maybe why you started down this path, and it could be a multiple, all those reasons, some of those reasons, what I find really interesting is most people, when they first start, they start with either their food, so they're going to start cutting ingredients out that they believe to be harmful or the really processed foods and they're getting back to making those things themselves at home from just basic simple ingredients and usually for health reasons along with it's a lot more frugal or you've got on the other part that a lot of people actually looked at all of the ingredients and the different chemicals and the store-bought things they were bringing into their home from cleaning products, body care, so your moisturizers, your shampoos, your soaps, laundry detergents, all of those things, cleaning products, candles, fragrances that you have in your home. And they realized what a huge chemical load when you're buying all of these from the store that that's bringing into your house. And so they decided I'm going to control these ingredients and I'm going to cut out a lot of this stuff. Here's what I find interesting. Almost always, no matter which path they started down, be it with cutting out the synthetic stuff from the homemade cleaning, more cleaning products or from the foods, usually Once you start down that path, they all end up merging together. And though you may have started with just wanting to have more clean, less processed products in your home, it usually always transfers over to one or the other. And pretty soon it goes into your food. You start looking at the ingredients in your food and you start wanting to get back to the more just the wholesome or the whole foods and its least processed form. Let's put it that way. And then the same thing, if you started with kind of cleaning up your food and the items that you were eating, it usually isn't very long before you start looking at all the other things that are in your home and you start replacing those as well. Okay, so let's talk about soap. So when we are talking about soap, there's sometimes a lot of confusion, especially when it comes to making your own handmade soap. And that revolves around lye. So a lot of people get really nervous about lye. And they also get kind of confused about is lye in all soap or I don't want lye in my soap. Because lye can be caustic and you do need to take precautions when you are working with lye to make your soap. But there's there's just a lot of misinformation out there. People don't really understand it. So all soap has lye in it. You cannot actually have soap without lye because lye is one of the main ingredients that creates the chemical process that actually is what forms soap. So you don't always see lye listed because lye, when we're talking bar soap, so which is what I'm referring today, not necessarily liquid soap, but bar soap is sodium hydroxide. So that's the form of lye that you use when you're making bar soap. So sometimes you'll see lye or sometimes you'll see sodium hydroxide listed on the label. And a lot of people don't realize that that is lye. So all soap, like I said, has to have lye in it in order for it to actually go through saponification and be turned into soap. The process of soap is where you've got, like I said, your sodium hydroxide, which is known as lye, and that's your base. And when that is combined with an oil, and so it's an equation, right? We've got our base which is the lye, sodium hydroxide in this example, combined with the oil, which is your acidic part of this equation. So you've got your two parts. It goes through the chemical process that is called saponification. This means when you mix the two together, that it actually starts a reaction 
and it ends up converting the triglycerides, which are in your oils that you're using, into glycerin. So the fatty acids combine with the hydroxide ions, and this turns it into glycerin and your soap. So it is an actual chemical process that happens that we call it saponification when we're in soap making that creates your soap. And all soap, regardless of its form, goes through the saponification process. Now there's a couple different ways that you can go through the saponification process, and we're gonna talk about that. And there's a couple different ways, there's actually three ways, main ways that people make soap at home. So the first way that you do this is called melt and pour. Melt and pour is when you are purchasing a base that has already went through the saponification process. So it already has had the lye added to it with the oils and whether additives that they want to add into it. And it's just a base. So you purchase the base. So someone has already done the saponification for you. Then you chop that up and you melt that back down. And then you can add in whatever additional additives that you want to that. So you can add in natural scents using essential oils. You can do natural colorants. You can use different spices and herbs to change the color of it. You can add in other properties too. Sometimes people will add in bentonite clay. So you can add in whatever additives that you want. You can put in dried herbs, that type of thing. And then you're going to pour it into your mold and it's going to set. And you're going to have usable soap within less than 24 hours. You're going to be able to use this soap and turn right around and use it. That's melt and pour. And melt and pour does have its benefits. One of the benefits is if you want to do a soap project with really small children or with kids, you're not working with the active lye because it's already went through the saponification process. So once soap goes through the full saponification process, the lye is no longer active. And so therefore it's not harsh on our skin. We don't have to be worried about it being caustic anymore, right? Or causing burns. You've heard about lye causing burns. That's why melt and pour can be a really great entryway to a lot of people when they're first starting to make soap. Or like I said, they want to have a project that they can do with their kids where they're not worried about the lye. There are some people who say that melt and pour soap is not real soap making. And you wouldn't think there would be that much division, right? When people are trying to, to have a better product at home and to make things at home. But there are some people who are like, that is not real soap making. Well, I am not one of those people <laughs> at all. I am very particular about the melt and pour base that I will use because I don't want any propylene glycol in there. I don't want paraben additives. I don't want petroleums. I don't want synthetic fragrances. I don't want synthetic colors. So I'm very picky about the melt and pour base that I will use, but you can get different melt and pour bases. So you can get a goat's milk. You can get pure white. You can get some that are more glycerin. So there's more see-through. They're more of a clear base. But in the show notes, I'm going to have a special resource for you guys that you can go and get that's going to have links to the exact products that I personally use, that I've done the research on, and that I feel comfortable with the ingredients in them. The other thing about the melt and pour soap, it is, is still much, much cheaper to do it that route and to customize it to what you want for your scents and your colors and whatever additives that you want to add in there than it is to purchase that from the store. So it is still cost effective and you still get to pick out the ingredients in it and make sure that you're getting a base that only has ingredients that you're comfortable with as opposed to a store-bought soap. Why would you even want to make soap at home? So what's wrong with the store-bought soap? So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. I probably should have started in with that. The reason for that is store-bought soap 
when it's made commercially, they strip out the glycerins because they can strip glycerin out and sell it separately. And that's a a way to increase their profits. But the problem with that is most bar soaps that are just commercially that you just go and you grab on the store shelf are actually considered to be closer to a detergent than they are soap because they've had the glycerin, which glycerin is really good and it's really moisturizing for the skin. So it's nourishing to the skin. When you take all of that out, then all you're leaving behind is just the cleansing stripping properties. And so it ends up stripping all of the moisture from our skin. So it's cleansing, but it's cleansing too good. And there's nothing left in there that actually can nourish and moisturize our skin. Plus, a lot of the commercial brands are going to put cheaper ingredients in there. They're going to have petroleum-based things. They usually can have a lot of synthetic fragrances, synthetic dyes, all of those type of things with people with allergies or that are trying to stay away from those synthetic items. It's really hard to avoid. So there's kind of multiple reasons there why store-bought soap is not so great. Also, if you have ever used store-bought soap and then you use a homemade soap, you will notice immediately, at least I do, one that my skin is not dried out afterwards. It doesn't feel stripped. But store-bought soap feels like it leaves a layer on your skin. And with homemade soap, I don't feel that. I don't feel that weird layer. I don't know if layer is the right word, but I can feel a difference in the way that my skin feels immediately. If you're going to wash like, you know, half your body, say with a store-bought soap and then the other half with another one, you can, at least I can feel the difference immediately on my skin. And most people that I've talked to, in fact, I don't think I've, I've talked to anybody who has went from always using store-bought soap and then have tried a homemade soap who hasn't noticed a difference. That's why we want to make our soap at home because we're going to be creating a product that we can create the ingredients. We're going to be having a lot more nourishing ingredients to our skin. We're cutting out all that synthetic stuff. And it's a lot more frugal, at least it is for me, when I price it out bar for bar. Now, like I said, though, you've got to look at the ingredients. So if I'm looking at like the cheapest soap that I can find, and then I'm making a soap that has these great oils and stuff in it, can I buy the commercial soap cheaper, especially on sale with a coupon? Sometimes. But if you're comparing the bar of soap that you've made at home that has the nourishing oils in it, to a bar of soap that is the same thing is a handmade bar of soap that has those same ingredients in it. When I make it at home, it's always, always been less expensive than buying that same thing. So always remember when you're doing price comparisons, we've got to compare our apples to apples and our oranges to oranges. I just wanted to make sure that we covered that. So now let's talk about the other two types of way to make soap at home. So we discussed the melt and pour and why some people definitely would want to go that route. And it's totally fine to start that route. Now we're going to be talking about cold process soap, which is when you are using lye and you're making lye water. So we're working with active lye and hot process soap. I personally have not made hot process soap yet myself. I have made the cold process soap and I have the most experience with cold process soap and truly all of the people that I know who make their own soap that I personally know I've been to their homes, I've used their soap or I've had lessons with them or discussed soap making with them, they all do the cold process method. And the cold process method usually, this has been my understanding, turns out a more creamier, 
bar of soap and a better texture bar of soap. Most people prefer its texture versus hot process. We're going to be talking about cold process soap, though hot process, I'll discuss that a little bit. Cold process soap is when you take your lye and you mix it with water and you create lye water. And this time we're talking about sodium hydroxide. And then you're going to combine it with your oils and you're going to mix that together until it begins to hit the tracing point. And what that means is it's begun to get thick enough. You've mixed it enough that if you take your mixing device, so your spoon or an immersion blender, and you drip a line of that soap on top of the pot of soap, you'll actually start to see a little trace of that line. So that's what we call trace. When it hits trace, then you add in any extra additives. So that's when you would add in your scents or you would do your different natural colorants. If you're gonna do a swirl bar or if you're adding in honey, oatmeal, herbs, whatever it is, because you can customize it, you guys, until the cows come home. No joke. You can customize your own soap so much. But that's when you generally do it. Sometimes you will actually, with the oils, you can do herbal infused oils with different herbs and add that in when you're mixing the lye water with your oils to get some of your colors or some of the properties. But most, a lot of the time, you'll be doing it at the trace point. And that's going to depend upon your recipe. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But then you take that active lye water, you mix it with your oils for your recipe, you pour it into the mold, and then you're going to wrap it up because you don't want it to cool down too fast. So you're going to wrap it up and insulate it for about 24 hours. And then you're going to unwrap it all the way and you're going to test it to see if it is firm enough for you to cut after the 24 hours. And depending upon your mold, if you're using a silicone mold, which I have a silicone soap mold, sometimes it's not ready to cut until the 48 hours, but you can tell by the touch, it's just going to be too soft to cut. So at the 48 hour mark, you're going to go ahead and you're going to cut your soap into your bars. And then for four to six weeks, you're going to let it cure. And so cold process soap is not ready to use right away. It needs to cure because as it cures, it continues to go through that saponification process. And it also, some of the water will evaporate out and you'll get a harder bar. So why would you want that? Like, why would you want a harder bar? Well, you don't want it to be too soft because as soon as it hits water and you go to use it, you don't want it to just dissolve and be super soft. You want it to last a while to be able to use it. That's one of the reasons that other reason is it needs to continue going through that curing process to finally finish out the full saponification because you don't want it to be too harsh on your skin. Once soap has went through the full saponification process, then like I said, it doesn't have that active lye in it where it's caustic and you have to be worried about it burning you. Let's talk about that because a lot of people get nervous about the lye water when you're making your own soap at home and you're using the active lye. When you add lye to the water, you always add the lye to the water. So you don't ever measure out your lye into a container and pour water on top of it because you can have this volcanic reaction and it can bubble up and it can be a really bad thing. So you always have your water measured out into a container first and then you slowly add the lye. And I use lye flakes is what I use. And so you're going to slowly put that lye into the water and mix it up. And almost immediately, it gets really hot. So it causes a fast reaction. And almost immediately, it gets almost to the point of boiling water. So you always want to make sure that you've got a good container. 
And for the first few minutes, when you have mixed that lye into the water, it lets off fumes. If you were to breathe those fumes in, the fumes themselves can burn you. The water can burn you from the temperature and then the actual lye, so chemical burn, right? Then those fumes, if you breathe them in, they can burn your nasal passage, your lungs, your throat, all of that. That's why people get really nervous when they're working with lye. And for good reason, you have to use caution with it. You have to take safety precautions. So wearing gloves, long-sleeved shirts, pants with socks and with shoes, you don't want a bunch of exposed skin. You're also going to make sure that you're wearing safety goggles. You do not want to get that in your eyes. You don't want anything to splash up where it could get you. You're going to be using gloves because your hands are the closest thing to it because you're stirring. You want to make sure that you have got excellent ventilation. A lot of people mix their lye water outside. They don't do it in the house. If you're going to do it in the house, you need to make sure that you've got an exhaust fan on, that you have the ability to open windows and all of that. So I will mix my lye water outside. And within a few minutes, those fumes are not letting off anymore like they are right in the beginning. And you can actually see them and you can see the steam coming up off the surface of it right when you mix it. You can wear a mask for sure. But even if you're wearing a mask, you still want to take proper ventilation. So I mix mine outside, let it sit for a couple of minutes, and then go ahead and bring it in the house for the rest of the soap making process. Safety precautions are a must. But you definitely can use it and do it as long as you're just using those safety precautions. And it's much easier to take a safety precaution than it is so that you don't ever have an accident happen than it is to not take the safety precautions and then deal with some type of chemical burns or the lye burns. Create your lye water and then you have to let that come down to a lower temperature. So I mix my lye water up first and then I get to work with the oils. And this is where you can create... Lots of really cool variations on your soap. So a lot of people have regular bar soap that they use just for washing their hands and for bathing. There's shampoo bars. There's facial bars. You can put loofahs in them if you need something that's more of a scrubby, like if you've really been working and you've got grease on your hands or, you know, dirt, you've been gardening and you just really need to scrub them out. So that's when a lot of people will put things like oatmeal in there to give it a little bit of a scrubbiness. Sometimes people will cut up loofahs and actually put that in the soap so that they get some scrubbiness. So there's all different kinds of ways you can do. But let's talk about the most common types of fats or oils that people mix with their lye water and what the different properties of those are because that's going to give your bar of soap different properties. So some of the most common ones now, like I mentioned way back in the pioneer days, it was usually lard or tallow. That's pretty much what they had. And you can still use lard and tallow and you're probably going to want to, but I'm going to talk about that. So first up, one of the most common base ingredients that you will see in soap recipes is coconut oil. Coconut oil has a really great lather to it. So you're going to get a lot of lather and you're going to get a lot of bubble action on it. It's very cleansing, which means it's going to cleanse really good. It also helps create a hard bar. And like I said, we don't want too soft of a bar. And oftentimes we don't want too hard of a bar either. That's why most soap recipes that you see, not all of them, sometimes you'll see a full recipe that just uses all lye water and say all lard or all tallow as its fat. But most of the time, you're going to see a combination. And that's why people have picked these different oils for their properties to create a bar of soap that they like. And that's another thing that you can do with your own homemade soap is it's called super fatting it. 
that means you have extra fat or extra oils in it so that the lye water, the sodium hydroxide, has not used all of the fat within there to do the saponification process. So you have extra fat, so it's super fatted, left behind to create a more nourishing, moisturizing bar of soap. Coconut oil, great lather, highly cleansing, helps create a hard bar. But if you use all coconut oil, it can actually be really drying. So it actually can end up kind of stripping the skin because it cleanses really, really well because it's got that really great lather properties going on to it. So most of the time you don't see just a pure coconut oil soap. You'll see it mixed with other oils. Other oils that you'll commonly see done with the coconut oil is palm oil. Now palm oil Sometimes the way that it's harvested, you want to make sure that you're getting it from a supplier that uses good harvesting practices. And the resource for this episode, I'm going to be sharing all of the links where I get my supplies and the ones that I like. And so I'll be sharing that. So make sure that you grab that. But that's one thing that you want to look for in regards, especially to the palm oil, is that it's harvested sustainably and done in a good way. Palm oil does help create a good lather. It also helps create a hard bar and it's long lasting which is a good thing. Another common one that you will see, and you'll uh, most of the time you'll see these three together. So you'll see coconut oil, palm oil, and olive oil together. Olive oil is really great to add to soap because it is creamy. It has a lower lather. And so it's not going to make, generally speaking, as hard of a bar. But olive oil is very, very moisturizing, and it's really nourishing to the skin. It's got vitamin E and some other good properties there to it. It's a great one to mix with those other oils to create a well-balanced bar. Some other oils that you'll see added in is lard. So we've mentioned lard and tallow a couple times. So both lard and tallow help create creamy and creamy soap, creamy lather, and they also help produce a hard bar. And both of them produce a white bar. So the color of the soap, if you don't add in, and I only use natural colorants when I'm making my soap. So I don't buy synthetic dyes. You can buy different liquid dyes or powder dyes. I don't use synthetic ones in there. Same thing with fragrances. I don't use the synthetic fragrances. I mean, that's kind of the whole point that I'm making it at home is to avoid those things. But it's really fun to play with different scents. So I use essential oils and spices and herbs to color it and to give them lots of fun, different flavors, so to speak, and scent. So there are ways to do that. But like I said, I only use natural ones. Lard and tallow also create a hard bar. But a lot of people don't like to use all lard or tallow because they don't feel that it's as cleansing. And you need to a lot of times use really, really hot water to rinse it all away. Most of the time, people will mix the lard and the tallow with some of those other oils to get more cleansing bar. Some other oils that you'll see oftentimes in different soap recipes is one is castor oil. And usually it's not a lot of castor oil. It's usually a fairly small amount. But castor oil, it helps suspend the lather. So it helps the lather to stay longer. So when you're cleaning, you've got more of a lather going on. It also can be used as a Hamuakatent. What this means is it helps draw the moisture 
down into the skin. So that's a very, very good thing. Beeswax does the same thing. Sometimes you'll see beeswax in soaps, but remember beeswax is what we use to get different homemade moisturizers to set. Beeswax is very hard, right? So it's going to be a small amount, but beeswax and skincare products also helps draw the moisture into the skin and keep it into the skin. So it's a very good ingredient to have. That's the purpose of castor oil when you see it in soap recipes. Another great oil, which is one of my favorites, is avocado oil. Avocado oil produces a medium lather, but it can be really, really great for the skin, especially the face. So a lot of people love to use avocado oil, facial bars, and that type of thing. Those are kind of the main oils that I have on hand and that I like to use, that I've got in my kitchen and that I use in in the soap making and the different home care body products that I make. So I highlighted those. There's lots and lots and lots more oils that you can use, but those are the ones that, like I said, that I find are usually the most common and the ones that I have used the most and keep stocked, and I use them for many different things. So if you want to get that chart so you can look at those properties and look at those different oils, make sure that you go to the resource section on this episode, which is episode number 119. And I'm going to have a great download for you guys so that you can check all of this out and begin to get links to get your supplies and to dive into soap making. Now let's talk about hot process soap making for a little bit. For hot process soap making, you're going to take your lye water and your fats and you're going to mix them all together and you're going to heat them up. And usually people use a slow cooker, but you can also do it on a pot on the stove and they let it go for a long period of time and it goes through the entire saponification process or most of the saponification process, I should say, during that time, including the gel phase. So the gel phase in the cold process When you wrap it up and you've poured it into the mold and you've got it all wrapped up, it usually goes through the gel phase within that 24 hours of it being wrapped up and it's slowly cooling down. When you do the hot process, it goes through all of those phases in the heat when it's all together. And then after it's went through all of that, then you put it in the mold and you let it cool off and then you cut your bars and then it's ready to use fairly soon. A lot of people still like to let it set for a week or so before they use the hot process, but it doesn't have that longer curing time like the cold process soap does. But I personally have not done yet the hot process method. So there's definitely pros and cons, so to speak, of doing all the different methods, but they are all great methods depending upon where you are in your journey. Like I said, some people, if you wanna be able to do that as a project with kids and you're not quite ready to get into the lye water yet, then the melt and pour is great. If you're like, nope, I want to do this. I want to do it totally from scratch. Like, let's go. I want to customize that. And that's where the cold process comes in. You can customize what oils you want to use in it, how much super fatted that you want it to be. You just have a much greater ability to customize it. Plus, with cold process, you can use some of the items that you may be raising on your own homestead. So for me, I can use larder tallow, which we raise our own pork and our beef. So that's a fat source I don't have to purchase. So I love that. If you're like me, soap making was the one thing that I really needed to see in action. So if you're like me and you're like, I really want to see someone walking me through this, walking me through everything in the different phases and each step, then you, my friends, you are going to want to come and check out the Handmade Masterclass. 
Within the Handmade Masterclass, you get a physical paperback copy of my new book, Handmade. You get a digital copy while that paperback copy is shipping to you. And you get over six masterclass videos. Two of those videos are on soap making. So I walk you through how to do the melt and pour and how to add in your own natural colorants. You get charts, ingredient lists, price breakdowns to show you exactly how much each of these bars of soap following my recipes is going to cost you. Then we've got the cold process. So I walk you through the safety precautions. I walk you through making the lye water, heating your oils, mixing it together, bringing it to trace, and then how to create a layered or swirled bar using all natural spices to do the different colors and to create your own custom scented bars. And, and you guys, there are coupons involved. So you get over $38 worth of coupons to apply towards your supplies. You definitely want to check this out. You still have enough time to get all of this going for handmade Christmas gifts. And then to get these skill sets and the knowledge to set you up so that for the rest of your life that you can make all of these items at home. There's making beeswax candles in a mason jar, your own tinted lip balms, herbal oils, and herbal salves and ointments. That lesson is getting loaded very, very shortly. At the time of this recording, it's not in there yet. But by the time this goes live... It will probably be in there, if not very, very soon. Make sure you go and check that out at melissaknorris.com slash handmade masterclass. I will put the link in there in the show notes. And you're going to want to make sure that you grab this resource guide because it is jam-packed with all of the charts that I've been talking about with the oils and links to all of the resources where I've done the research and tried to find the very best pricing and the best ingredient sources for making all of this yourself. For our verse of the week is John chapter 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is such a short and simple verse, and many of us know this. But I have been in a Bible study, and I just started it, and it is amazing. It's by Priscilla Shire. It's called The Armor of God. And this week is focusing on, it's about the armor of God, right? So the belt of truth that's from Ephesians, where it talks about that. This week, it's focusing on truth, so hence the verse. But one of the really great insights that I've received, and specifically to this verse, is that God's truth not only protects us, but it also frees us or sets us free so that we can move into greater things and into greater freedom. A lot of times when we look first, a lot of times people will look at you know, God's word. And sometimes you see a list of things you're not supposed to do or a list of things you can't do or you shouldn't do. And it feels like all of these rules that can feel kind of suffocating. But when you look at those, those rules and the truth that's in his word are in there for our benefit and our protection. So when we view them that way in their proper form and we start to live by them, I have to say that I have found much greater freedom and ability to move forward in areas of my life when I finally start embracing those and putting them into the practicalness of my everyday life and actually living them out. I hope that you find truth this week and with that truth that you find freedom. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on this lesson and this journey. I adore that there are so many people who want to learn 
these knowledge and their skill sets to create a more self-sufficient home and a more simpler, better life for them and their families. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. I can't wait to talk with you next time. We'll chat soon. Bye.